It's something that hits home for all of us, right? Because we all have relationships and we could all stand to improve at some level inside of our relationships. We all experience conflict inside of relationships. And so I um, started to look at this series and what you guys have been talking about. I listened to Pastor, Pastor Jason's message from last week all about marriage. And I have to be honest, don't tell him I said this, but I had already wrote out my whole message because he asked me to talk about conflict here today. And after listening to him, I, I was like, wow, he's so creative inside of all of the points and the rhyming and the whole flow. I went back and changed as much as I possibly could just to fit in a little bit better with you here today. So it might not be as creative as Pastor Jason, but I tried. So this is, this is my creativity trying to come out here this morning. The reality is that all of our relationships, they aren't all smooth sailing. And so here today, I wanna to talk about how the struggle is real. And I wanna talk about conflict in relationships. I think that regardless of what your relationships look like right now, whether you're talking about friendships or coworkers or maybe parent-kid relationships or marriage, whatever your relationships look like, I'm hoping that you're gonna walk out here today with some tools and some understanding from scripture that's gonna help improve your relationships. Now, relationships are awesome on good days, right? Like when it's, when it's going good, it's good. Everything's fun, like I think of like the ideal moments. Everybody's getting along, the sun is shining, it's awesome, we're on vacation together. And then it's like all of that in a moment can go sideways and it's like the thunderstorm rolled in without any forewarning and you go from like bright, beautiful, sunny day to like crashing crazy violence happening around you. Anybody ever experienced that inside of your relationships? It's crazy how drastic that it can turn. But a lot of times, it's not really that we're disagreeing about something and it's actually that we just misunderstand each other. For instance, had this situation took place inside of our life just recently. I'm an introvert by nature, so I, I love our days off. I love when I can just kinda not have anything on the schedule, kinda block everyone out for a little while. I can just drink my tea, read my book, be in my garden, and it, it's awesome. And one of these particular days where everything's going really great and it's you know one of the days where everyone's not fighting, it's, it's great on the relationship front. All of a sudden when my kids comes in and they're excited, I, I live in a family of extroverts. My three kids, actually my daughter is here with me this morning. I have also two boys, they're all extroverts. So I'm the only introvert trying to hold down the house and all of them are constantly trying to invite everyone over. They get all excited about it all the time. So one of them comes in and they're like, guess what, so-and-so's coming over for dinner tonight, I heard dad on the phone. And I immediately am like, what? I, this is our day off, we've been doing ministry all week long, I don't even have food, I haven't gone grocery shopping, what would I even feed them, how would I entertain their kids, like my mind's going a million miles an hour. And so I start to kind of freak out a little bit, right? So by the time my husband actually comes to have a conversation with him, I'm already kind of angry. I, we haven't even had a conversation. I'm already like, why would you invite someone over tonight? This is our day off, blah, 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 blah. You know how it goes. 
And then it turns out he didn't invite anybody over that night. One of the kids just misunderstood what they'd heard on the phone, and I'm all angry and frustrated about nothing. Yeah. Ever have that kind of moment? You feel kind of like, I want to crawl under a rock right now. You know, I'm, I'm mad about absolutely nothing. We actually disagree less. We misunderstand more than any of us think possible. We, we tend to just believe that we're disagreeing about something when actually we just don't really have all the facts. In fact, relationship experts, they claim that 90% of conflict is rooted in misunderstanding. That's amazing. So let's just imagine for this moment right here that that's not, that's not actually true. Like, I mean, how would they even be able to figure that out? That's always the question I have. Like, who, who is able to actually gather all that data and actually know whether 90% of our conflict is really misunderstanding? Let's say it's only 25%. But if it's 25% that's just misunderstanding inside instead of disagreement, just think about how different your life would be this year if you could resolve 25% of the disagreement inside of your life better and experience 25% more peace, 25% more enjoyment inside of your relationships, 25% more unity so you can work on projects and actually get something accomplished together. Imagine that even in a different scenario inside of your life, imagine that if you got 25% raise this year. How many would like that, right? That'd make a significant difference. What if you were able to shave off 25% of your work hours and replace that with leisure time? For most of us, that would mean 520 hours of vacation that would be coming to us this next year. I'd take that. What if you increased your health by 25% this year? All of a sudden you're running a marathon, maybe a triathlon. Maybe you're dominating on the basketball court, right? You're doing epic things because all of a sudden something inside of your life, it either increased 25% positive or decreased something that was negative by 25%. Now all of that would be awesome. I would sign up for it in a heartbeat, but none of that can even compare with the impact that our relationships actually have on our lives. Studies, they link our relationship health to our life expectancy. It's a scary thought. To our overall mental health, to our ability to try new things, and our ability to persevere through difficult seasons. So if we were able to help you move into a place of experiencing just 25% better conflict resolution inside of your relationships, that would be a significant difference inside of your life. Now, that would be awesome. I think that's reason enough for everyone inside of this room probably to go, I wanna learn more about this, I wanna lean into it, and I wanna grow inside of this area. But for many of us here in the room, beyond that, we've already made the decision to follow Christ. And as followers of Christ, there's actually a deeper reason. Because God himself, he's given us a command to love well. 
John 13, 34 and 35 says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another, listen here, will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So the most basic of instructions to us as those who are following Christ is that we should love well. Additionally, we become these representatives of who God is in the world around us. And there's an expectation that people have on us that we would represent God's love to them. In fact, it's been a big discussion inside of our culture inside of recent years. I don't know if you've ever had an experience where maybe you met a couple and you really liked them. They were, you know, the kind of couple where you thought like, hey, I think that their kids, they would be great friends with my kids. I'm always looking for those kind of people because I always want to set my kids up for success. I always want them to, you know, be with good friends. So every once in a while, we'll invite someone over to dinner just for that reason. And yeah, we like them and we want to have conversation, but really we want to connect their kids with our kids. And every once in a while, I'm actually kind of disappointed inside of that. Have you ever been there? Where you kind of have one thought about how it's going to go. You've been around this couple. They're awesome. And you're hoping their kids are going to be awesome too. And then it turns out that maybe, you know, their kids are just in a difficult season of life right then. You know, there's so many issues going on. And you just think like, you know, maybe this is the last play date we have together. (laughs) Maybe we don't schedule another one. But in 1 John 4, 8, it says, anyone who does not love God does not know God, for God is love. So that same expectation that we would have maybe for a couple and think like, hey, you're awesome, so I'm really hoping that your kids, they're going to be great friends with my kids, and all of those characteristics that I see in you that I love, I'm hoping they're also inside of your child. People look at God, God is love. Not he just loves, he is love. And so then there's this expectation that when they get around you, that you would carry that same kind of love. When they get around me, they'd see something different inside of us. So conflict resolution, it's not just a good idea to save us some heartache and increase our enjoyment in relationships. It's actually an essential part of our journey to looking more like Christ. So I want to give you five things here today that will help you better navigate conflict. Five things. Number one, the first thing is when you're in a conflict situation, conflict, let's see if I can talk here, conflict situation, step back into a bigger perspective. Now things get weird when you get too close, right? You lose sight of details. You forget what's even important. As soon as conflict happens inside of your life, I don't know, maybe you're not like me, but this is how it goes for me. My blood pressure immediately rises, you know? All of a sudden, I'm going through the drive-thru, and somebody kind of says something snarky through the window, and all of a sudden, I'm like, what? (laughs) You know? Like, I'm feeling it a little irritated. You start to get defensive. Like, if it's with someone that you care about, they say something, and all of a sudden, you're like, no, I didn't. That's, that's not what happened. You're misreading the situation. That's not at all what I meant by that. And all of a sudden, the walls come up. You start to look for an escape route. Sometimes that escape route is trying to control the other person. Sometimes as a parent, I play this on my kids a little bit, right? 
Like, I said so, everything stops, right? If we're in a conflict, we just shut it all down. Mom wins. The end of the day, king of the castle, right? Or sometimes we stuff our opinion, and instead of actually trying to control the situation and kind of escalate it, instead we just wall up, check out, give the person the cold shoulder. Well, I'm not going to engage with you then. I don't, I don't even want to be around you. I don't even want to have this conversation. So I have to step back mentally and emotionally. And we've got to remember the instructions and that God has given us to love well. Romans 12.10 says, Love one another with brotherly affection. Now listen to this next part. Outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another. I love how it says it in the voice translation. It says, be first to honor each other by putting them first. Put the other person first inside of the situation. Ask the question, what's actually best for the relationship? Which leads us really into our second point. And the second thing that you can do inside of a conflict situation is fight to understand more than be understood. Now that goes against our very nature and everything that we want when we're in conflict. Because as soon as we start to get defensive, things start to get a little bit tense, we want to make sure that the other person, other people, they understand where we're coming from and what we really think inside of the situation. And we have to adopt this place of humility that sets aside our desire to be known so that we can know the other person. It says this in James 1.19. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must be quick to listen. Slow to speak. Slow to get angry. We've got to slow down. Listening is very different from hearing. Because you can be hearing what the other person is saying. And not really listening to understand. So one of the things that we do even inside of our home is, is we repeat back to the other person. So here's what I hear you saying. Now just because I'm trying to understand doesn't necessarily mean I've come to the place where I agree. But I'm just still trying to figure out whether or not this is a misunderstanding or a true disagreement. So here's what I hear you saying. And then if the other person can't nod in agreement and go like, yes, that's exactly what I'm feeling. That's exactly what I think about the situation. Then we stop and say, then fill in the blanks for me. Help me understand. If I don't quite have it yet, then we try again. Because there's no way to resolve it until we actually understand what's actually on the table. We got to understand all the pieces to it. And here's the, here's the bonus tip is that if you're in a tense situation and the other person's kind of escalated, as soon as you slow things down, you start asking thoughtful questions, it just de-escalates it. You just try it and see how it works. Somebody starts getting kind of intense with you, purposely slow down your speech, lower your tone, and start asking questions, and see how long they can actually handle being at an escalated level inside of their voice and inside of their conversation before they begin to match yours. Here's the third thing. This is so important for us here this morning. 
don't make the fool's choice. What's the fool's choice? The fool's choice is where we believe that we cannot both be honest and loving at the same time. And without realizing it, we buy into this thought about all of life. Well, if I tell my boss what I actually think, then I'm probably not going to have this job for very long. All right? If I tell my mother-in-law what I actually think about what we should do for the holidays, things are not going to go well for me. <laughs> right? We think that we can't actually be honest and loving at the same time. And it's been said, you've probably seen this floating around on social media, some cute meme somewhere that everyone's sharing. Truth without love is mean, but love without truth is meaningless. And that, that's a great quote. I love things like that, and they get shared. Everybody has it on their wall for a while. But when I stop back and really consider it, I think, do I believe those words? Do I live those words? Because so often I buy into this thought that it has to be either or instead of both and. So instead of holding on to truth in one hand and love in the other, we harbor resentment and then we just gossip behind their back. So instead of going to that person that you volunteer with and telling them like, hey, you know what? It's really difficult on the whole team every time that you show up late. I just gossip to everyone else about it. Instead of going to that family member who always makes things tense by the way that they treat certain situations, I just talk to everyone else about it. Instead of having the honest conversation, we just skirt around. Or, here's another option, we muster up the nerve, right? I'm gonna tell them what I really think, and then we blow them to kingdom come. Ever have a moment like that with someone? Or all of a sudden, I'm gonna tell you exactly what I think. And you do, you cut all the ties, you burn the bridge, and the relationship is no longer intact on the other side of it. Or we sugarcoat the whole conversation so much that even though we're trying maybe to walk in that space, they walk away not even knowing what the conversation was about. And you think like, I was so honest, I told them what I really thought, what I'm really feeling about it, and they have no idea. They think that you had a totally different conversation. And so we have to learn how to hold both of these things because when we choose between truth and love, it's our relationships that pay the cost. And the church planter, Paul, inside of the New Testament, he writes inside of Ephesians 4 and really unfolds for us this journey of what it's like to grow up inside of our relationship with God. So it's not just a moment where we decide, I'm going to follow after him, but then there's this process and this journey of maturing and becoming like him. And so he starts inside of verse 14, or at least I'm going to start inside of verse 14. He says, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. And a mark of our maturity 
growing in Christ's likeness is actually learning to hold both truth and love. Walking in this tension, maturity looks like speaking with both. So, so far, step back into a bigger perspective. Two, we fight to understand more than be understood. Three, we don't make the fool's choice. But here's number four, is we look for a path to serve. Now, Philippians 2, 5 through 8 talks about the mind of Christ. And Jesus, as God, he takes on this position of humbling himself, coming in the form of a servant and actually serving us. So then the instructions are, take this same mind, adopt this same mentality for yourself, and then look for ways to serve the other person. And, you know, that doesn't mean necessarily that we give in to whatever the other person wants every single time. What it does mean is that we position ourselves in a place to help the other person or people succeed whenever possible. For instance, my husband, he's really good at kind of stepping into this leadership space with me and just helping me craft the way that I'm communicating. Now, I love developing content. I do that inside of our church a lot. I end up speaking and doing a lot of leadership stuff with our teams. And so I can kind of get into a place where I've, I've done it all the time and I feel really comfortable in that place. And I have to adopt this place of humility of saying, come and coach me to get better at it. Because even though I'm thinking through it all the time, I, I want you to come in and help me understand. And he takes this place of serving me really in that place. And it's not necessarily just saying whatever it is I want to hear. It's actually saying things like, so when you said it this way, here's how it comes across. But here's the deal is when someone knows that you're in their corner, then you actually have the leverage to say difficult things. The more relationship that you have, the more that you're able to say hard things to people. Have the tough conversations, speak with both truth and love. And so sometimes inside of these conflict places, we actually have to step back and we have to invest a little more even into the relationship in order to have that kind of ground. Parents with kids, I think this is so important for our kids. We're stepping in to help them see the world around them and shape their thinking is that they know we're in their corner. Hey, I'm for you. In fact, I had a conversation with my two boys just a couple years ago as they were starting to move towards junior high. And I heard them talking and they're kind of whispering and you kind of know when, you know, they're trying to kind of keep you out of the loop. They're purposely trying to make sure that mom doesn't hear whatever it is they're saying. So, you know, I did the parent thing, got a little nosy and was like, hey, what, what's going on, guys? You know, like get right in the middle of it. And they're like, oh, well, we don't, we don't want to tell you about what's going on. And I had to sit down with them and coach them a little bit and say, guys, there's nothing you can't tell me or dad. Can you imagine, because my kids, they're really into basketball, my two boys. Can you imagine if you were the coach on a basketball team and you had great players on your team and you left them on the bench instead of putting them on the court? 
Nobody would do that, right? And they were like, oh yeah, no one would do that. I said, me and your dad, we're in your corner. We're on your team. You gotta invite us in to help you because we are gonna do whatever we can to make sure you're successful. And honestly, they bring it up kind of often now inside of our relationship because it's reframing the way that they think about our relationship. Here's the fifth thing, ask for help. Not all of us have blind spots. There are places in our lives where we're trying our very best, but we're still falling short. And maybe, maybe you can walk through all of these areas. I've tried to step back. I've really tried to understand. I've looked for ways that I can serve. I've spoke with both truth and love, and the conflict remains, the tension is there. That space, you just gotta continually bring it back to God. Yeah. Matthew 5, says, pray for those who persecute you. <laughs> At first read, you might think like, that's a little intense. At least for me, when I read those words, I think like, well, I mean, I wouldn't say they're persecuting me, right? Like when I think about somebody who's persecuting me, I kind of think about what was taking place inside of the early church. People who are being arrested and dragged into jail and what persecution really was. But then I look at it in another translation and here's what that same verse says. It says, pray for those who torment you. Okay, yeah, I can see that, right? Because sometimes we get inside of a situation where it does feel like that. Feels like I don't know which way to go. I don't really know how to navigate this. Favorite saying that we've adopted inside of our home is work like it depends on us. Pray like it depends on God. So we're going to do our part. We're going to get better at conflict resolution. We're going to fight hard to keep unity we're also gonna continually bring it to God because he can do far more than we ever could. Hebrews 4.16 says, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. So there's help from heaven for us. I think about my childhood growing up in the mountains and there'd be places where the mud would get really thick. If you've ever stepped into some thick mud before, if you pull your foot out right away, you can, you can pretty much, it's not too difficult, you can get right out of it. But as a kid, every once in a while you get distracted by whatever you're kind of chasing. Maybe it was a butterfly or squirrel. And you wouldn't even really be paying attention to the fact that you were in mud. And before you knew it, You'd sunk so deep inside of it that you couldn't really get out of it on your own. And you needed someone else to come and help you. You needed dad or you needed mom. You needed someone to come and use their strength to pull you out of it. And you gotta be willing inside of your relationships to reach out for help. Talk to your small group leader. Reach out to your pastor, get counseling. Honestly, the mistake I see people make most often inside of their marriages is they wait too long to get help. They're so caught in the mud by the time they reach out. It takes a lot to try to pull that back out of it. So I'm constantly telling our young married people at our church, get help before you think you need it. 
reach out to someone. Make sure you know who your people are. Because God, God is for you. Not in the sense that he's picked your side of whatever conflict you're in, but he's for you in that he's given you every resource you need to navigate the struggle. Romans 8.31 says, if God is for us, who can be against us? So I want to pray for you here this morning.